0: Michigan HockeyCast 6.10, where we've reached the end of the road for 2023. Alex, do you consider yourself famous? Uh, not really. Have you ever been recognized? Uh, yeah, a few times. Like not by like your mom <laughs> or your brother? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, where yeah. where were you recognized?
1: Uh, venue one time for like MGO stuff. Yep.
0: Okay. Or WCBN? No. No, you've never been. Hey, weren't you you no, that guy on no, WCBN? No, no. It was it was always MGO.
1: Well, I mean, we were a radio station, so. It's kind of hard to know our faces, uh, but you could recognize voices. Wait, that's a lot harder, <laughs> unless you happen to have like a super distinct voice or are like, well, you have a distinct, a voice. famous radio person.
0: Okay, where was the other time? Um, I don't remember exactly. It's okay. just, just been around. It's nothing. So Craig was recognized again on Saturday. Uh, we were sitting at the bar, and the dude, guy. That's
1: not that surprising.
0: No, he. he the guy in the other table is like peering. So I'm sitting sort of facing, um, Craig is to my left and the other guy was off to the right. And so I'm sort of between them, but sitting back the way the tables were. And I see this guy like keep looking over like at everyone at our table and like, but sort of like with the, that guy, my me money look, you know, like I think I know him. And so I was like, oh, he probably recognizes Craig. And then he goes, so then he like yells over because they're both watching the Michigan basketball game on their phones. That's right. (laughs) Craig was using his cell phone to watch a basketball game. I mean, that's 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 a plus one for him, right? Yeah. So he goes, are you are you Craig Ross? And he's like, "Ah, yeah. And so then you know the discussion ensues because this guy is like you know looking to adopt Craig as as a member of his family, and the whole thing is going back and forth. And then like a few minutes later, he says to me. Are you Alex Drain? <laughs> and I, it really caught me off guard because I was like, you know, remember there was that time when someone was, people were commenting and they thought like you were me on
1: the MGO podcast? Yeah, that happened. And
0: you're like, oh, I can't tell the difference between them because they sound the same. Do you think we sound the same?
1: Uh, similar, but not, not identical. Not, no, your voice is a little bit higher than do, mine. Uh, do we look alike? No. Is it because a lot of people don't know what you look like, so that's is, a big part. Is
0: it because like you wear glasses and I don't? Do you think that's the biggest thing? <laughs> uh no. <laughs> I, I kind of felt like that was what the biggest difference. What if I showed up at your family events? And would people be like, yo, what's up, A Town? No. No? No. Well. Okay. So now the next thing then is like I think that you need to start going out on a lot of these trips. Because there are people that want to meet you and you need to be available to your fans. So that, you know, you can sign your books and autographs and all that stuff?
1: Uh, It's not that hard to run into me. You just have to be in Ann Arbor.
0: It's like, go to Meijer really like, late at night? I don't go late at night. You don't?
1: Nowadays, like, super, uh, grocery stores aren't open, like, 24 hours or anything anymore. And if you go, like, late at night, a lot of the produce is picked over. So, you have to go into it. <laughs> That's the, why you don't go? Because you can't get the, the good produce? No, That's just pretty like, It's just, like, not a good time to go to the grocery store anymore. So... Um, no, I mean, it's like uh, John Mulaney had a uh, monologue at SNL one time where he was talking about how uh, like a girl had done like a Make-A-Wish thing to meet him, and he had the line of, like, I was concerned because I'm not someone you have to wish to meet. <laughs> I'm around. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> but you're getting famous now. I don't have to go out on the road for... Uh, people to find me, you can just go around Ann Arbor.
0: You were mistaken, or I was mistaken for you, which is a a compliment to you.
1: Uh, Arguably.
0: (laughs) Okay. So now the next thing is, is do you think that we should tell people that we're Brian and Seth?
1: You can't get away with that. Why not? Everyone knows what they look like, and their voices are very different than ours.
0: Well, that's true. So maybe we're just sort of one person that manifests slightly differently or in different places.
1: I mean, like, Seth and Brian both have pretty distinct voices, too. So, like, it's, you know, and then they look pretty distinct. But
0: if someone claims to be them and you're sitting, like, say, with Craig, like, is someone gonna argue with you?
1: Probably. I mean... You think so? Unless they... Unless you are, like, a Brian doppelganger, but...
0: I I definitely do not think I look anything like Brian. No, not really. I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who looks... Sort of like Brian. I mean, there, there's probably people, but he has a distinct look. But you have a distinct look, too.
1: Uh, somewhat, but it's a lot easier to replicate my look. You know who also has an identity crisis? Ohio State football. <laughs> wow. All
0: right. I was going someplace else, but uh, do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Uh, I don't know. There's not that much to say.
0: Uh, but... They're starting quarterback transferred. Yep. That's a big deal. When was the last time that happened?
1: Probably we were never. Like, probably never. Yeah,
0: probably uh, never. <laughs> we're entering a new era of Ohio State football. Apparently. The other team that has an identity crisis is Michigan Hockey. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You're just real committal today, aren't you?
1: Well, their identity is they're now on break, so...
0: <laughs> their identity is, what are we? Because if you watched either game this weekend, or both games, or read about both games, thanks to uh, me one night and Peter... M- massive thank you to Peter. Uh, the second night, I—how does that happen? I mean, they just like don't even show up one night. We kind of talked about that, and it's—I said this is the worst game uh, of the year—and then you responded within
1: several years. I would make that case. It was a very poor performance on Friday night.
0: Do you do you have a game in mind that you were like, well, it wasn't as bad as that? You reminded
1: me of the early. Mel era, like those like seven, uh, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19 20, it always felt like that last weekend before Christmas, they were like sprinting to the end while, you know, nursing three ailments uh, and just trying to stumble across and get into the break. I mean, there was a couple of years I oh, seem yeah. to recall where like they would go to like Munn on the last day. They and, like, got five, like, 17, and, like yeah. anastasis teams and they would just get. Like, beaten out of the building.
0: Well, and that's why, like, with the Michigan State stuff, I've always been like, you know, they can suck or whatever. And, and you know, when they come to Yost, we'll probably run them. But, like, you go to Munn, and it's, it's, it's sort of like the Auburn-Alabama thing, where Alabama is this absolute juggernaut almost year in and year out. And they go to Auburn, and they lose every other time. And you're like, how does that happen? Like, Auburn isn't any good. I mean, a couple of the times they were okay, but— not at like an Alabama level, and yet they just always find a way to lose that, and that's sort of what like that particular rivalry meant for a while. There were times when Michigan played okay there, but they never really ran Michigan State out of money, even even when Michigan State was bad.
1: Yeah, Seventeen eighteen, Michigan beat MSU four nothing at Yost on the Friday, and right. then They lost five nothing on Saturday. Yeah,
0: I was at. I think I was at that game because I was like, "Oh, this is actually you know a time we might actually win it, Mun." Nope. Yeah, should have gone a couple years later. Probably they never
1: but let me go to Munn,
0: like the the Muns didn't.
1: Yeah, they they always claim that they didn't have room for us.
0: <laughs> well, were you you were broadcasting Or radio? Yeah,
1: yeah, but you just that's there, just two seats in the press box. It's not it, that, but their press
0: not, box is like it's not like Michigan's. It's it's just it's it's sort of set up like two rows. Like it would be. Maybe they could put you behind... It's not a great setup, at least for press. Unless they've changed it. They might have changed it. I haven't been there, well, since then, so five or six years. But, I mean, I don't know. It was never, like, a must-go-to experience for me. I've been up there as a fan a few times, and it's kind of like... I don't know. You ever been to USHL rink? Uh, No, I have not. They used to call it the library because nobody said anything. I mean, it's funny, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. So, anyway... uh. We just got off on a Michigan-Michigan State tangent, and we haven't even played Michigan State this year. So I don't know where we went with that. But Michigan did go to South Bend this weekend. Uh, Well, they went for one game anyway. (laughs) Uh, Friday, um, you know, it's funny. The last couple weeks, like, you know, we start to approach the game. And, you know, at some point, Michigan Twitter is going to tweet – the lineup card, you know, and you're like, oh, I wonder who's playing with who or who's dressed tonight. And it's like the last few weeks, you're just like, "Uh, they're dressing everyone because they can and two of the guys are going to be dressed and they're also probably not going to play. And the lines are more or less irrelevant because they just have three sort of preferred lines and two guys that jump in here or there. Pretty much. And then they rotate through, I would say, four guys or so through those lines at times. Uh, And that's, you know, that was kind of a a thing that, you know, I wrote about uh, two weeks ago, I think. And then on the Friday game is like, it's just really hard to do that at this level, right? I mean, you can't just skate three lines and then hold your own. And especially if you have to press and try to come back, right? I mean, it's sort of like, can you press full court for 40 minutes in basketball with barely any subs? No. Like, that's just, you're just going to be worn out by the end of the game. And it just sort of felt like that was exactly what Michigan had to do. Um, They needed a good start. And that was the thing that happened, you know, in the previous week and then in that first Penn State game. So the three games when they had to play with this depleted lineup, well, the full extent of this depleted lineup before Friday is, you know, they had pretty good starts in all those games and they could manage the game early. And they did collapse a couple of times giving leads away and, and all of that. But they never really had to try to rescue a game. And this was really the first time that happened. And, um, you know, actually, like, they're almost down in opening minute because, you know, Moynihan gets in behind Luca Fantilli and and Jake has to make a save and and he does. But, like, man, that was not, like, hey, giving up a breakaway a minute into the game is uh, not what you're looking for when you're trying to, like, manage a game in South Bend despite them being pretty good at it. Um, Tanner Rowe, actually, I thought he, (laughs) I mean, if there was a good player that night, Tanner Rowe actually had a couple of dangerous chances. Um, Casey hit him across and he couldn't get his stick on it, but he got into a dangerous spot. That's a guy you'd like to see contribute something on the offensive end. And he had a chance, didn't quite, wasn't able to put it away. Um, but then there's another odd man rush for Notre Dame. So you're already down, you know, two odd man rushes. And the game is at this point kind of hitting breakneck speed. Michigan gets their odd man rush, uh, two on one. And this is Ernest and Schiffsky and Schiffsky gets the shot away, but, um, doesn't really challenge Bischel a whole lot. And then Notre Dame finally gets on the board. And this is where like the beginning of the defensive breakdowns. and, and, And it's not really like bad from Holtz. He just is not fast and he's never been fast. He's probably not going to be fast. And he needed to not be in a position where he had to race arguably, well, probably, Notre Dame's best skater in Landon Slagert and Slagert beats him, gets around him, and then kind of goes around Barcheski. I don't know. Did you think that Jake played that really well, where he kind of swoops in from the side, and he just kind of goes around him and then scores backside, and, and Barcheski kind of lunges a little bit and has a bit of a tap in?
1: It's a nice move. You see guys make that sort of move a decent uh, amount in the league. Um You know, you don't like having him pull it off because you've got him, you know, back pressure from Holtz, who's right on his backside, so you just like to be able to obstruct enough to stop him from pulling off that sort of move. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just a really nice bounce pass off the boards uh, in the neutral zone to set him up, and he doesn't have a huge step on Holtz. uh, That was a really high-level play, but obviously you'd uh, ideally like to be able to have somebody do just enough to break that up. A
0: little bit more friction, so to speak, and yep. not allowing him to just slide right in. Yeah, uh, But Michigan does bounce back after that one where um, Brindley draws a penalty, and they actually look pretty good and get a couple chances in close. Dylan Duke and Casey have probably the best ones, and, and Duke, Dylan Duke gets clearly cross-checked in the back, like right <laughs> at the crease area, setting up a five-on-three, it was really funny because Craig was, we, you know, we were sitting there watching the game and he's like, that's a cross check. Come on, come on. And then I was like, Craig, I think they called and he's like, oh, well, good. Yes. All right. So it's a five on three. And, um, you know, I always liked, we haven't seen it a ton this year, but Michigan had that uh, sort of trapezoid. Set up where they'd have three guys low or and two guys high, and that you could get these diagonals from the from the inner points to the wings. And they didn't really run that, but um, T J Hughes let one go uh, from straight away and just kind of picked a corner. It was actually a pretty nice shot from from T J just being able to snipe uh, the top end corner there yeah, to tie was the just game. It a
1: classic 2006 era power play goal with a bomb from the point that uh, goes through two three bodies screens the goalie and tucks itself in so
0: unfortunately michigan oh so that makes it back to five on four because you score on a five on three and unfortunately they can't take advantage of it that would have been a really great chance for them to get free goals i mean this is again we talked about it in weeks past where you know when you just don't have the skaters like that you kind of have to get goals in the margins either in transition or on power plays or you know sort of a a giveaway you know you can't just expect to be able to skate and create at five on five and score with you know a fully healthy team all night and you know they weren't able to get that second one would have been nice to take a lead and then have a a cushion to play with a little bit but um you know then another defensive breakdown happens and that's something we're going to see a lot at least in this game where the puck just kind of comes into the zone and it's not really managed well by Michigan. It's bouncing around a little bit. Um, Justin Janicki is able to kind of whack at it a few times. Nobody can really clear it. Jake can't really find it. And, you know, you had a guy, you said that Nazar was sort of standing around. It seemed like a lot of guys were just not really moving their feet. And at some point, he's finally able to, you know, whack the puck into the net. It didn't really seem to be on Parcheski. It was just sort of a a sloppy all around for Michigan.
1: Michigan's had a few of these kinds of goals uh this season where it just is kind of a pinball flipper sort of goal where Yeah.
0: Where you're just kinda of like
1: wow. Yeah, wah. You know, like they're just this a mosh pit of <laughs> six to seven players and they're all just whacking away at it. And like slowly beehive, like beehive hockey. Yeah, slowly the dog pile is moving closer and closer to the net <laughs> and eventually it gets banged in and I I don't really know what to say about these other than it just seems like the attacking players just outwork the Michigan players and they're all over them and they just bang away, bang away, bang away quicker to the rebounds. And then eventually they, they get it in.
0: But that's like a good way to phrase it outworking because it did sort of seem like in this game that Michigan kind of got outskated and outworked. And like, I'm not going to like say they didn't want to win this game, but there is an argument that you can say that Notre Dame played like they kind of wanted it more in so to speak because some of these plays are just like hustle plays and uh, like that kind of play and then later on you just get a couple where you just have some very sloppy passes and and positioning and
1: i mean the third goal is just a classic you got a guy coming down the wing Luca until he steps up for a hit he doesn't really hit him he gets a piece of him but you know doesn't obstruct the, the play continuing to go forward and then Warren comes over to help and loses the puck battle, then takes a very strange route to the net front. And there's just nobody covering on the doorstep and the pass goes in. And it's just kind of a combination of, uh, losing a lot of the one-on-one situations and, uh, and then the usuals in terms of really bad, uh, net front coverage.
0: Well, and Ernest, he had a chance to clear it. I think on that play too, you're talking about the third goal. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't. And like, you know, that happens in hockey, and, and you, you don't make great plays every time you're either on the ice or touch the puck or whatever. Like, you know, we're not criticizing in that regard, though, like, oh, they just can't make a play. It's just more like Michigan's margin for error on the, in those situations seems to be a lot smaller just because of the situation that they're in with players. And they're not probably going to be able to score as much as they could if they actually had four lines and more scorers. And so you can't just give away goals to a team that's then defensive because once it goes to three to one, the game just felt over like it, it, it technically wasn't you. Could, they could still come back. I'm not going to say that they don't have the, the manpower to score goals because they have the talent like, you know, guys like Brindley and, and Hughes have put the puck in the net. Nazer's been pretty good shifts. He scored his goals. So they have guys that are skating. It's just that, you know, now you're facing a team like Notre Dame that knows how to play defense. They're going to be well coached. They have a good goalie. And it's an uphill climb from there. Yep. Uh, and then you just get another one of those situations for the fourth goal. At the end of the second period, you get a, a, a decent power play chance. And then, you know, they turn it over. And you can't turn a puck over right as a power play ends because all of a sudden now the numbers change. You guy's coming out of the box and you have him way up the ice and it ends up turning into a three on two because Michigan doesn't get their guys back and they're on a, Power play, so they don't necessarily always have the right number of defensemen or the defensive defensemen on the ice in that regard. And you get sort of a three on two, it goes the other way, the pass gets to the front, and Slagert just has a pretty simple chance.
1: Yeah, this play is just a lack of situational awareness. You're in the final five seconds of a power play, you got to have the goalie tapping the stick, which I assume he was doing. And if he is doing it, then the players on the ice need to hear it and know that this is when you have to start shifting back into five on five play that typically right at the end of a power play. That's sometimes when the coach puts two defensemen out there to get ready to go back to five on five, those sorts of things. And uh, generally if you do have a turnover in the last five, 10 seconds of power play, the team adjusts by everybody retreating and falling right. back and coming green. And that's the problem here is you do have a turnover high. Sure. But Frank Nazer does not back check at all. He just continues standing in the, in the offensive zone. Like the power play is still going on and if he starts hustling back the moment he sees uh, the puck battle ensue high in the zone in the final five seconds of the power play, they're fine on this play, but he doesn't, and so then you're left with uh, Moldenauer trying to catch up to a a guy, and I assume the guy he's trying to catch is a little bit fresher than him, and he's just not able to close that gap, and then you have the fact the penalty is expired, so then there's another player jumping on the ice, and uh, Warren doesn't take away the pass I mean just all the things that we've seen with this team at yep. times is lack of situational awareness inability to take away any passes and it's where you get I, the fifth goal is my favorite in a very negative
0: sense because you get sort of a turnover and a breakout then for Notre Dame as they're leaving their zone and you get Phillip Point and, and Marshall Warren who are just sort of going to try to get get some speed to go back and get back on defense and they just run into each other (laughs) and kind of like obstruct each other.
1: Warren is like trying to make a very strange and extremely hard pinch on this play, which look, if Nerado was telling the guys we got to press like crazy to get a goal and get some momentum back in this game, then so be it. Right. And then that's his job. But, uh, his pinch is very unsuccessful. (laughs) Takes out another player and lets it through. You get a two on one, but then at the same time, two on one, and Jacob just got knows what he's supposed to do, which is take away the pass. Which he does. The other guy, but he doesn't.
0: Well, he take. Okay, he does from a decision standpoint, right? Yeah, he, he, he makes takes the right the other guy, but right.
1: doesn't tie him up and doesn't take the pass away. <laughs> <Wait>. So, <laughs> I mean, again, what are you even doing there? This then? is yeah. our this is our traffic cone thing. Yeah,
0: like exactly.
1: It might as well have been a two on zero with yeah. just a traffic cone standing there, and oh, if you make the pass around the cone, then it's a goal.
0: When you fully commit. To taking away the second guy on a two-on-one, you're basically saying, "Okay, have a shot. Yep. Go trust ahead, goalie. My, trust my
1: goalie. Make
0: a save. I'll get this guy." But then when you choose him and then you don't do anything about it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have words to describe. Like I, I've played enough indoor soccer goalie where someone has done that, and you're just like, "Yeah, if you want me to make that save, that's just never happened." <laughs> Like, that's just not how this works. But, um, so it's 5-1, to one, and then they... And at this point, I hadn't even noticed that Noah West was in the game. Yeah. Had you picked up on that? No. No. And later, well, I... Well, re- the,
1: the big problem was the Peacock guys didn't well,
0: notice. But I, it also didn't, like, occur to me to think about it, because at that point, I was no, probably No, but late. it
1: is incumbent on the broadcasters to sure. say, okay, look. Oh, you know, they we, changed goalies.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's not really on West. He plays... The third period, I mean, he wasn't great. He was fine. I don't know. Uh, numbers weren't great. But at that point, you're just kind of like, hey, we got to skate for 20 more minutes. This is what we have to do. And, you know, they end up getting a goal late. Um, not a good goal from West. I thought this one was a shot that he could see. And it went above his pad. And he just kind of missed it. And 6-1 to one was the final. Uh, I, think he, I think West saved 10 of 12 shots. And... Barczewski saved 16-20. of 20. I mean, that's... You know, I don't... Like I said, other than that last West goal, at that point, it doesn't really matter. But none of these goals are, like, on the goalie, per se. They're just... When there's enough of them, at some point, you're like, you know, your job is to keep pucks out of the net. Now, the defense's yeah, job Barczewski is to not...
1: Barczewski could have saved one or two in One there, or two, right. Yeah, at most. Would have been it, it nice. Wouldn't have changed anything.
0: No, because they were not scoring, and the team itself, like, you know, just... I don't want to say they didn't look ready, but they didn't skate the way Notre Dame did. And they made a lot of mistakes. And that's a good way to get embarrassed on the road. All right. We'll move on to game two here. Uh, How many seconds of this game did you watch? Uh, Zero. So you watched the literal same amount? I was
1: watching Alabama-Georgia because I was needing to get a head start and scouting things of that nature for football season so
0: after watching that first game what what did you guess would happen on saturday i
1: wasn't really sure i assumed michigan was going to make a uh, much better effort and they were going to come and and play a better game but was that going to be enough did they have enough in the tank to actually win the game i wasn't sure and so i
0: was informed after the game was over because i kind of had i was obviously in indianapolis and i Remembered? Oh yeah, Michigan hockey played. I wonder how how badly they got beat tonight. And I was told no, they won two to one. And I almost dropped my phone because what? Um, so I went back we we went back and looked at a little bit of this. Um, but Peter wrote this up. Good on you, Peter. You've done a wonderful job this year. Thank you for helping us out. So the first goal is Naser from Casey in this in, in mid early first period. Um, again, big for Michigan because they need the leads. They need to be able to control with this kind of lineup that they have to ice. And this is a very weird goal. Casey kind of like pitches it into the slot from sort of the point near the boards. And it's not really like, it's sort of like throwing a pass in football or a pass in soccer where you're not always trying to throw it right to the guy, but you're throwing it to space and allowing him to kind of run onto it. And that's sort of what happens because it, the puck ends up in the middle of the slot and Nazar gets there half second, second afterwards, and kind of like sort of one times it when he gets there and it squeaks through Bischel and he kind of like drops down as he as he takes the shot. But it wasn't like a pass that hits him in the tape. It was a pass that he, oh, there's a loose puck, whack, and it goes in.
1: Yeah, it's just a strange goal. Like <laughs> <a> Turn around, <laughs> uh, throw it on net, and uh, get goes in. Yeah, so
0: you get an early lead and hey, that's great. Um, doesn't last a long time. So I have a question. Are you a guy who's like, um, you kind of get persnickety about like the beginning and ends of periods. Like you don't like to give up a goal on like, the first shift or, you know, that kind of sure. thing. Like, I that's... think the last,
1: yeah, the last minute of a period or a minute we or need to get to the locker room, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this was another one where they score, I think in the last two minutes.
1: Yeah. It's like a minute 13, but
0: you're 13. in that point where you're like, okay, we're, we're getting right to the end of the period. Let's close this out, take the lead. And, um, uh, this is bad. Like, <laughs> I don't really know how to. <laughs> so Warren has the puck behind the net. He's coming around, gets uh, in the corner and tries to pass it up the boards. There's no one there. And it's intercepted by a Irishman who picks it off. And then they work it down low. And kind of a pass goes across through Luca, who's just sort of standing there, makes a kick attempt at it. And it's scored from the back side. I can't really say anything about Porcheski in this one on this goal. Like, well, you, that you can't, A, turn the puck over like that in your own zone, especially at the end of a period like that, just throwing it up the boards to no one. And then, you know, a pass coming across when you're defending the slot, I mean, that's it's similar to the, the Truscott situation we were talking about earlier.
1: The biggest thing about this goal, to me, having not watched the game, is you can tell within five seconds of watching this clip that they were at the end of a shift. Okay. Because... The puck gets turned over when Warren gets hit and goes up the boards. The guy grabs it. Everything that's after that, the Michigan players just look exhausted. Yeah. Like, they just. Notre Dame slices right through in like four players and scores easily. And you look at the Michigan players, they're moving at the pace of a snail and they're all hunched over. Yeah. Apparently <laughs> moving their feet. And it's like, oh boy.
0: Which is part of the reason why you, you just can't. You can take an icing, but you can't yeah. have a defensive zone turnover there. Because. You just, like you said, you're just out of gas, and it's very hard to defend that at the end of a shift like that and to make everybody come back when they're trying to get to a change. You know, you do that, and you're just begging to be scored on. Pretty much. So it's 1-1 going into the second, and actually a lot of the second period is played without a goal until Michigan takes the lead again for their second lead of the game um, near the end. And this is uh, basically... Notre Dame returns the favor uh, of what the their opening goal was they give one right back to Michigan where the puck is kind of you have two guys, it's a one on two for Michigan in the zone except Notre Dame has the pucks so you have one four checker and he just kind of throws it up the, the one of the defensemen for Notre Dame just sort of throws it up the boards sort of aimlessly and it's intercepted and then you get And it's Duke and he comes in he hits TJ at the top in the slot, goes over to Brindley on the opposite post. Brindley goes back across because that is a great shot for Brindley. Like Duke feeds Hughes in the slot, can dish it to the other side for Brindley, you know, arguably their best goal scorer. And it's a great shot to take, but he passes it, hits it back to Duke. So basically forming a triangle and Duke has a tap-in goal.
1: No defense being played on this clip from the Irish. Uh, this is the sort of play that Michigan has given up all season. Yep. Uh, So nice to be able to score one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Hey, thanks for that guys.
0: Especially for a team that, you know, that's not Notre Dame's thing. They're not known for bad defense. They're not known for like those silly little giveaways. And, you know, Michigan actually made that one count. So it's, it's two to one. And then, you know, now you enter the third and you're like, all right, well, we've seen this movie before about eight times. And, you know, Michigan shuts it down. They close the game out, and you know Notre Dame didn't have a ton of shots. They had some in the third, but it wasn't like you know it didn't even feel like or look like, I guess, that they were just hanging on for dear life, like just sitting there protecting a siege.
1: Yeah, the, I think the upside of the rest, uh, or for this game, and, and you go back to last weekend, is that between this one and the St. Cloud game. There are now two games where Michigan had narrow third-period leads yeah. and got it to the finish line. And that's, I think, a nice takeaway. Now, it sucks you have that one game in there where things crumbled in the second St. Cloud game. Yeah, the second But if okay. two of the three, you know, there's some progress there. At least you can look at it and you can go into the break saying, okay, we did a few things right. Now we need to just start building in that direction.
0: And, yeah, and we'll get to some of that some of the takeaways and what we'll look at in the second or in a second. But, um, the power plays, each team goes over three. Okay. I mean, that's probably a win for Michigan. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they have a terrible penalty kill. So you expect them to give up a goal. They have a great power play. You expect them to score a goal, sort of a wash, um, even strength, of course, 54 to 53. So, you know, pretty even game. I mean, it looks like that shots were 35, 29, pretty close. um, yeah, I think Michigan was plus three in shots going into the third. So yeah, I mean, it's a pretty even game all around. You just had a couple of goofy giveaways and then kind of that, um, whatever that naser goal was to start on the, the, the one timing bouncing. But, um, so in the end, you know, we said they, they got to get a split against St. Cloud and they got to get a split against Notre Dame. And in the end they, they go two one and one. So it would have been nice to go three and one because you would have had that second win. And I mean, you know, We'll talk about where they are on Pairwise uh, in the next segment, but um, it, it was sort of slightly unexpected. You're glad to see the bounce back, and um, it gives maybe a few rays of hope going into the second segment. Yep.
2: I can't believe I'm doing this.
1: If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case...
0: Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's two four eight and nine two four nine and four five eight, or
1: visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Oh,
2: She gets what she wants all the time Cause she's fine But for an angel, she's a hot, hot mess Make you so blind, but you don't mind Cause she's an uptown, get around Anything goes a girl, a girl She's a hardcore candy store So
0: we went over the games and it's been quite a half a season of hockey. Um, Some of it was sort of predictable. Some of it was not surprising. Others of it, parts of it just kind of came out of the blue. And, you know, it's hard to really wrap your head around all of it and have really uh, fair takeaways in a lot of ways. But, you know, we're going to try to talk about some of them. Um, you mentioned that you have some, I had, you know, some things, you know, we can kind of go over to the different parts of the team. And, you know, there's caveats, because like you said, you, you, you lose a guy who you thought was going to be your sixth or seventh defenseman before the year even starts, then you lose a guy who you thought was going to be, you know, probably a top four defenseman for the first half of the year. Injuries come poorly. I mean, you know, they weren't overly prepared in terms of having a lot of forwards to replace that. They did have defensemen and still just kept taking, you know, shots and, and sort of running out of that. But, um, so you get some kind of incompletes on some things, but in the end, you know, this is the Michigan hockey team that takes the ice every game that you kind of have to talk about because things happen and they might be beyond your control, but you know, that's the way that it goes. And, um, you know, I mean, we can talk about the sort of glaring things. The thing that I think probably is the most frustrating is, like, will we ever get a good penalty kill? Like, ever. I, I couldn't tell you the last time that I felt really confident in a v- for a full year in a really good Michigan penalty kill.
1: Oh, uh, one of those last years they had Mayot, they were pretty good. Uh, like,
0: pretty good meaning, like, what sort of percentages?
1: I have to go back and look. But, I mean, he did really good work when he was Michigan's. Um, assistant in that department but uh, this year is definitely back to the drawing board of sorts uh, on the penalty kill and i think that's one of the easiest and most fixable things you can do um going into the break and i think that's something that i would be really focused on uh, if i was coaching this team because i think that's something that, that can turn around but it is in part tied into some of the other uh, defensive problems that they've had but i think when you look at the team Injuries aside, the biggest thing that's got to improve in the second half is the defensive component.
0: Well, yeah, because, (laughs) you know, we just talked about that second game, and they give up one goal, and they basically hand the goal to Notre Dame, right? Now, Notre Dame, despite the first game of the series, is generally not a team that scores a lot of goals, and so you're not playing with fire by giving Notre Dame chances the way that you would be with, say, you know last year's minnesota team or you know even michigan state this year who, who's scoring a lot of goals but still um you see that michigan is is capable of playing good defense at times
1: yeah they have their moments but there's just some some real real issues in there. Not front coverage which doesn't seem like it should be that hard to fix but it, it's just this big problem that they don't take away any passes they the I don't know if it's technique or just body positioning or what it is, but they let so many dangerous passes through uh, on the penalty kill, which is one of their primary problems there, but also even strength. But the defensive net front coverage thing should just be easy. I mean, just tell the guys, do not leave the net front. (laughs) Stay there. Tie a guy up. When the puck carrier comes and circles the net, stay with your guy. Do not desert your guy.
0: And you, you can understand where a guy like Casey would struggle with that a little bit because, you know, he is definitely a lot smaller than most of the other defensemen. And, you know, Luka's a little smaller too, and, and their strengths lie with more of their uh, skating ability and some of the passing and that sort of thing. But guys like Truscott, Warren, you know, even Steve Holtz, for all the things that we kind of rag on him a little bit, you know, war, specifically Truscott and Warren, they're, they've been around a while. They've. Played a lot of hockey at this level, and you know, I mean, even Warren, he's what, his fifth year, I think, playing. So, yep, like it's not anything. other It's not like he doesn't know how to play hockey, or 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 trust Scott, or no, you know, Holtz is in his fourth year. You know, I mean, so you, it, it's not inexperience, and I, I guess I just sort of struggle with how that happens with older players like that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know exactly what to say. It's (laughs) it's partially a personal problem, but there are players that are just uh, much worse than they have been previously at this sort of thing. So it's, uh, I looked it up, uh, their last two years that Mayotte was at Michigan. They finished 84% and 82%, which were both top 20 those two seasons. So... That's okay. I mean, it's not... I think that's about as good as you can ask for with when you're going to build your team around a lot of like offensively minded skill guys, that's towards the upper limit of where you can be.
0: All right. So then we talked a little bit about defense, talked some PK. Let's look at the other side. The power play has been about as good as you could have asked for, at least from a scoring rate. You know, you can talk about some of the process and all that kind of stuff, but like, I mean, they're scoring, you know, well, at least going into the weekend, they were scoring second highest in the country all just under, you know, one out of every three.
1: Yeah, and it's gotten the mean reversion that you that we were kind of expecting where um, a few weeks back when I was concerned about the five-on-five scoring situation, they were at like 38 or 39% on the power play. And yeah. I was like, that's going to fall back to earth because... <laughs> Nobody scores at that rate ever. 30 is the limit in NCAA hockey, 30 to 33. And now they're down to 31. So they're yeah. right in that range that you'd kind of expect. So... I think that's fairly repeatable because I think they have some really good power play players, especially someone like TJ Hughes that isn't super useful at five on five, but is very, very good on the power play. So I think that's sustainable. What I feel is the takeaway from the first half and what needs to happen in the second half, besides just cobbling together the ends of games to to, to get there. But I think that to get there, they're going to have to improve defensively because I do not think there's – a lot of offensive upside that they're not squeezing out of the lemon at this point. I think they're at about what they can expect from this roster offensively. And the fact of the matter is they cannot outscore their problems like they did in past years. They do not have a roster of really high level NHL players like they did in 2021, 22. Right. And they do not have a singular game breaking player like Fantilli last year. Right. So you look at the, the, Stats for this team, especially with the Jackson and Hallam out for the season, what they have to put out there in their bottom six for basically the rest of the year, I just don't see them getting any more offense out of this group that they're not already getting. So the improvement is going to need to come on the defensive side, particularly in the third period of games. And if they can just up the penalty kill a bit and figure out how to close games out and lock down those last five ten minutes when they got a lead, then I think this team can still be very successful and make a run into the tournament uh, and be dangerous at that point. But that's where it's going to need to come from.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I I think that you can sort of expect the scoring rates of like their top six to continue about where they're at. I I don't think, you know, maybe Schiffsky, I don't know. We haven't seen him for a full year, so I don't know if he's going to double his total. It feels like, you know, if they can get, you know, if McGrory comes back, you know, there's some talk that it was in doubt that he would maybe play, or it was uncertain if he was going to play for
1: juniors. In the Seems juniors. like he is. So uh, he's going to play. He's, he's listed on the early uh, rosters,
0: and so that's really good. That I mean, if he's playing in the. World Juniors, then he's probably going to play when he gets back, and they don't need him obviously against yeah. maybe Stonehill.
1: But I mean, if he misses the Juniors, then he gets an extra two or three weeks before yeah. he they would need him in their next real game.
0: But if he but if he plays during Juniors, then he's healthy. Then he's obviously healthy, yeah. right? You know, the Estapa one, I'm, I haven't heard any updates about. I don't know about that. It would, you know, not that he's a game breaking player, but putting him in the bottom six, and you know, he he does kill some penalties. He has a and, pulse yeah and, and occasionally just having a guy there would be really nice you know
1: uh, one funny thing I did see about the projections for the world Juniors is one of the projections had a defensive pair for team USA that has uh Casey and Hunter Burstevich uh, playing together yeah. so well, um what could have been what could have been by the way Hunter Burstevich 46 points in 28 games in the USHL or in the OHL this season for Kitchener.
0: Well, that is one thing that they also will need is is Ethan Edwards Ethan coming Edwards, back on yep. defense, and you know, then I'm not really even sure how you would set these pairings, just because you know we talked about you know to your point about getting better defensively about Truscott and Warren being you know a good defensive pairing or something. I, I don't know that they are. I mean, I don't have access to those specific statistics. I, I think that it's been hard to really suss out even with all of that because of you know do you. You, where does Ethan Edwards fall? Is he a third pair? Probably not. I, I don't know. You, you can kind of... Maybe there isn't a third pair with him. Maybe everything is equaled out and you just... You don't top low.
1: Whatever he is, he's desperately needed. Right. Because and, and, it uh, bumps one of Holtz and Orphan Tilly out of your top six. Yep. And it is time for that. Your bottom, your bottom pair, yeah. Right, Your six your six skating defense. Right, right, right. So...
0: You know, if they, get, if they put that together, you know, we kind of teased where they were in pairwise. Obviously, you can look that up for yourself, but they're 14th, which um, is, I guess, surprising to me. I, I don't know. You know, m- maybe they've been better than, and I've just watched too many of these games and been frustrated by too many nits to pick or something. But, um, you know, 14th in pairwise is is in the tournament, probably, or right there. And, you know, if you can stay healthy and put together a little bit of uh like you said finishing some games and cleaning up some things on the defensive end or on the power penalty kill you're you're probably going to win some of those games because i don't think that the big 10 is it's good but it's not like have a bunch of elite teams that you that are unbeatable
1: the way that uh to phrase the Paraguay situation we're still a month out from when it becomes really useful but it's probably not going to change like a dramatic amount Yeah, um, cuz there's a lot of data in now also not that many games get played in december sure like well (laughs) teams will mostly be done by december 10th and they'll play like one or two on new year's eve and that'll be it so january 1st it won't shift that much the best way to phrase it is that on january 1st when people are watching the rose bowl and pairwise becomes relevant (laughs) (laughs) to equally important events uh, (laughs) michigan will be a, a bubble team at that point in time whether they're eighteenth or fourteenth or whatever it'll be they'll they'll be in that range of being on the bubble and I think that's okay it's uh this team has taken a lot of hits a lot of injuries some things that were self inflicted particularly late in games um it's a frustrating place to be and and that's kind of the thing because if they had had all these injuries and their losses were predominantly you know, games they were le- trailing in the whole game and they just were never really in position to win those games. And you told me these were going to be the injuries before the season and that at the break they'd be 8, 7, and 3. I'd say, okay, that sounds, you know, they're not out of it, but it's doable. It's not, not below expectations, but considering the circumstances, it's okay. And I think that is how I feel. What the frustrating part is, is that of those 10 games you did not win uh, in, you know, the the seven losses and the three ties, they had a third-period lead, I believe, in six of them. And uh, they had another yeah. one where they were a minute away from going to overtime. Yeah. And another one... Well, they, um, the Providence one
0: where they, they were not they were down several goals in the third.
1: That one and the Notre the Dame, Notre were, Dame were the one only one. ones where they were not. And in. then
0: the, they the have Wisconsin... Six blown like said, losses,
1: yeah. th- uh, third-period leads. One where they were one minute away from overtime. And one where they held three separate one-goal leads in the first two periods against yep. Penn State. And yep. so when it plays out that way is why it feels so much more half gla- glass, half empty, because even with all the injuries, if you just cumulatively played 20 better minutes yeah. between five minutes here and eight minutes here, yep. and you would be Probably right seat. with Wisconsin and yeah. Michigan State. Yeah. And that's the part that really is, is tough.
0: The only on ice stuff that we haven't really discussed in sort of a, a cumulative effect is the goaltending and, you know it's i'm been fine i'm kind of on the point here where it Barcheski makes the saves that he should make and doesn't generally make saves that are great hero saves he gets a couple of one or two a game but usually the goals that are given up by him are goals from really good scoring chances or from really good shooters and they come a lot of times pretty close in or on a on a cross ice pass that he has to move a lot and you know those are the tough saves to make those are sort of like the you make those saves and you start going from good to great to elite and all that kind i think of the stuff.
1: story with barczewski is that he's a solid average and ncaa goaltender he's been good enough to get them in this position but he's not good enough to save them from defensive calamity that have unfolded yeah. it in third periods and that's just kind of the way it goes but if you rewound to september and told me that uh, he was going to be nine eleven or nine thirteen or whatever it is at the halfway point. I'd have been like, "Oh, awesome! Uh, only, that's great." The only
0: thing that I think was because wor- it
1: could always be worse. just well, ask Penn State, <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is true. Um, stylistically speaking, I want to discuss this a little bit. Is you know, he works for. He's sort of like a, a Justin Close in that he can work when you put him in a good structured defensive system. Where you have guys around him making plays, he will clean up anything that you just don't kind of get to. When you sort of hang him out to dry, that's not where he flourishes, and that's a lot of what Michigan does: is they not only have breakdowns, but they play, you know, going forward a lot with their defensemen, and and Casey is a big part of that. But you know Edwards, you know, we didn't see it this half, but he he's going to do the same thing. That's the kind of player he is: an attacking guy who creates things offensively. And, you know, that's where you kind of run into trouble and where Portillo actually fit really well on this team the last couple of years is because those were the types of saves that he tended to make. He would struggle sometimes by, at least in the last year, I think two years ago, he was actually really awesome at most things, but he would tend to kind of make some dumb mistakes at times. And, but he bailed them out on odd man rushes a lot. And he made those high leverage saves when they didn't check a guy a lot of times and that's it's a different thing playing with a goalie who struggles with that for especially for michigan than it is with a goalie who that's where they thrive
1: yeah and i think we've seen the issues in motion for barczewski that we anticipated coming in i don't think they're all athletic i think that he also just doesn't get like the best reads uh, on pucks and stuff like that but overall he him and michigan might not be a perfect fit for each other but he hasn't necessarily been the problem. No, and he's, no, and he he's has not them the on the bubble despite all this stuff. So yep. I have fine confidence in him going into the second half. I'm not too worried. Um,
0: well, if Michigan cleans up some of just the goofy breakdowns that they continuously seem to give up, all of a sudden now you're playing to his strength and he can kind of carry you in the in that sense. I mean, you you got to play well around him, but if you do, he doesn't let in many squeakers. And no, many, he doesn't.
1: He doesn't give up many howlers. No, I mean it's so. And I think when you look at uh, the national picture, you know, just for a second, uh, you have uh, the look. Go conference by conference. <laughs> CCHA is really bad now. Yeah, I was looking at that. Like,
0: well, Minnesota State lost. Yeah, their Yeah, Minnesota stall
1: State is not firing on all cylinders anymore. That conference isn't going to be any better than Atlanta hockey, like honestly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's really bad. Yep. Um, so they'll get like one spot. Atlantic hockey will get their spot. The ECAC is really weak too, outside of QPAC, who's obviously really good. So they'll get a top. So
0: Harvard and Cornell have dropped. Harvard, Harvard
1: has, I think they have one win. And obviously they haven't played that many games because it's the Ivy League. But hard, they're like, yeah. why one win in eight games?
0: Yeah, that's not going to get it done.
1: So, I think QPac will get their customary number 1 or number 2 seed cuz they'll be like 40 and 0 against the ECAC. <laughs> um and uh you know, Atlantic Hockey will get their spot, CCHA gets their spot. So, it's really going to be, you know, the, the power conferences. And Hockey East is really strong at the top. BU and BC look awesome. Maine's having an incredible year as well. Um and then uh I think like New Hampshire and Providence and UMass will all have their chances to get in. NCHC is in a bit of a down year, although NoDak's pretty strong and St. Cloud's been doing okay. But I really just think that those like 7 to 13 slots in the the, uh, pair-wise are going to end up being the middle of the pack in the Big Ten and the Hockey East. Yeah. Those are the teams that are going to fill that out. And so if Michigan, the lucky thing for Michigan is they're not in the CCHA. They're in a league where you can pick up a lot of quality wins and move your way up the standings. Uh, And, you know, with a strong second half, I think absolutely can get into that range and and grab one of those slots. And uh, for Nerado, this is his chance to prove that he can be like Mel Pearson was. Mel Pearson's teams always got better in the second half. Always. And uh, if he can do that with this team, I think they should be in the tournament. They're in a good enough conference and there will be slots for them.
0: All right. Let's look at what happened this past weekend. Um, Our buddies in South Dakota, Augustana. Tie, I almost said New Mexico. It's Northern Michigan. And then they beat them 5-3. to three. So a 2-2 and a 5-3, a win and a tie for the Auggies. That's
1: I, That's so pretty good. They're in the CCHA, but they're not in the CCHA is my understanding.
0: Where they like can't win the tournament they're or something? They're like in an
1: alliance with the CCHA because <laughs> they're listed in the standings, but they don't play any games that count for conference standings.
0: How many alliances are you in, Alex?
1: <laughs> it's like basically Notre Dame and the ACC is like the, yeah. the situation there, I guess.
0: Well, but. there's a lot of weird college sports rules where you can't join until you join, and then you're not an actual member, and then if you win, it doesn't count. And Yeah. Um, but they're winning games. Yeah.
1: Got it. Nothing wrong with that.
0: Nope. Our providential... First opponent of the year did not play, so um nothing to say there. Not much. They UMass do play,
1: they do play BC this weekend.
0: Oh well. That'll be an interesting game. All right. Uh UMass plays again one game. I this second time they've done that. I that's I don't understand the scheduling there. I'm sure there's something going on, but they lose in overtime to Vermont. How was Vermont when you were going through the Hockey East standings, is this a game that they're kind of wishing they probably had back?
1: Vermont, it doesn't seem particularly great, but they don't seem, like, awful. Um,
0: I think this game was in Vermont.
1: They've been splitting with... They split with UMass. They split with UConn. They beat St. Lawrence. They lost in overtime to Clarkson. Yeah. I don't know. They, I mean, they don't look great, but they don't look awful. Uh, Lindenwood
0: loses twice, uh, but not as badly. They lose 3-1 to one to Western and 5-1, to one, so... Uh, is that progress or is that Western just not being at the level of maybe Penn State, Michigan? Uh, probably both. <laughs> oh, well, good. Progress for Lindenwood. Uh, St. Cloud did not play this weekend, so we will not be talking about the Cloudies. Uh, Stonehill, your favorite school to discuss, lost to another D3 school, Utica. They went to Utica and then they lost 7-2. to How? How? What? What is this?
1: It's the uh, toughest place to play in college <laughs> hockey, the Utica <laughs> University Nexus Center. Is
0: because they play on gravel? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? Uh, and then they lose to Brown 4-1 to on Sunday. Brown is, I made you look this up for me, 54th in pairwise, and they lost 4-1 to to Brown. And they, got so, out, they
1: got outshot by Utica.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michigan's next games are against this team. I think you have to go to both of these games and sit there. You don't have to be early and you don't have to stay, but during the games for that, like two and a half hour stretch, you have to be in your seat. I believe at Yost. Is that, is that a fair deal? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Stonehill okay.
1: is Owen 16 on the season. They have matched the 2008 Detroit lions. <laughs> <laughs> so what? They've I got Clarkson and Merrimack next. So I, Seems like it will be over in the 2023 fall. Uh, they start 2024 with two at Robert Morris. Maybe there's a shot there.
0: I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I feel like I will believe they win a game when they when they win a game. Uh, okay, so now we can move on to the Big Ten. You have Ohio State that played Wisconsin. They lost three to zero and six to one. They scored. A goal, um, and my biggest takeaway from that is that Saturday lo- game that Michigan blew the lead and then lost in a shootout and dropped two Big Ten points uh, is is looking um, well. How do you say it, Alex? Bad.
1: I would say State has two points on the season in eight games.
0: Is that worse than Wisconsin last year? I would year?
1: hate to be the team that gave them their one point. Oh gosh,
0: <laughs> two points, right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. The game where they the game
0: where they got, the those, where points. They got those points. Uh, Wisconsin didn't play anyone. It looks like. See that's a joke because they played Ohio State, yeah. Who's no one? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Minnesota and Penn State played a series. It, there are a lot of goals in this series. So Minnesota wins. There's a surprise. <laughs> Minnesota <laughs> wins four to one and then loses six to three. I think this these games were in Hockey Valley, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know. Penn State isn't very good. From when I remember watching them, they beat a depleted Michigan team Minnesota not much better I don't know it really feels like the middle of the Big Ten Uh, we haven't seen Michigan State yet at least them play Michigan and to be able to sit down for you know 120 minutes and watch them play a couple hockey games so I don't know how to really rank them with anyone else but if you ask me to, to say who's definitively better among all the other teams Sands obviously Ohio State who's more towards the bottom I don't really know who's the best out of those teams. I mean, Wisconsin yeah. has the wins, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, from our sort of run of play and uh, game control and all that sort of stuff, I don't think anyone's better than Michigan. Wisconsin and MSU have been better at closing games out, and for that reason, yeah. they deserve to be considered better at this point in time. But in terms of how a matchup individually would go, I yeah, I don't think there's really any difference. Um, we've seen Michigan play five of the six teams in the conference, and they've... They split a lot. Generally outchanced and outshot the teams they've played. Yeah.
0: So... And they've w- they've won the first 45 to 58 minutes of these games and then just... Yep. Didn't at the end, which is unfortunate. But here we are. So, first half of the season, done. Um, they don't have a holiday tournament, thankfully. That ended <laughs> a couple of years ago uh, unceremoniously. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and then last year, you obviously they don't do anything this year. And then they play the USNTDP team on the sixth or seventh, I think, uh, in Plymouth, I believe. Yep. Uh, and actually, the most interesting part about that game is what Michigan has. I think three players on that team. That's probably more something like worthwhile. That. I hope if I mean at this point, yeah, maybe play a game. But like, good lord, what you cannot have anyone get hurt in that game. No, like, there's you know. Those kids are always.
1: If, if any USNTDB players take a run at a Michigan player, if I'm Nerado, I'm climbing over the boards <laughs> to go fight the other coach. <laughs> the other coach, yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
0: And especially considering that those players are going to be here in a year, and yeah. you know three of them or whatever. And and then they play Stonehill, uh, which we have previously discussed. You have specifically asked if I would do a preview on them. I'm turning you down. Um, we did look at a couple things. No one is scoring. 0.75 points per game. Well, they're only scoring
1: one and a half goals per game They
0: they're, as a team. Their power plays at like 10%. Their penalty kills at like, what did we say? Like 70 or 72 or something. They literally have the worst Corsi percentage in college hockey. Uh, their goaltending, from yeah, what the, I remember is like... The crazy
1: thing is they don't score at all, but their shooting percentage is 7%, which is like low, but, but it's it's not like 2%, which is what you kind of... In modern times, would expect if a team's only scoring one and a half goals per game,
0: team save percentage is like eighty-eight or something, eighty-seven.
1: Yeah, they're they're like like a ninety-four PDO team, but you know when the shot imbalance is that severe, then it makes it even worse.
0: Well, Um, and you just—they're not going to get shots.
1: My biggest question with Stonehill is why is this a thing? Not the games being played against Michigan, in, but why are they a D1 team?
0: Well, why? Are they, yeah. I thought why you were going to say, why are they a program? <laughs> Which is a different I question. Mean, why but... is
1: there a team? I've never seen this in any sport. I don't recall. Like, I don't recall. Why would there be an FBS team that is, like, getting run off the field by Ferris State? Like, I don't, you know, that's. <laughs> I don't get why there's a D1 team that is... Worse than D three teams. Like, why are they in D one? Why are not they? <laughs> yeah. Why, what, what is the point? Maybe they of mis- being cap- in D one to lose every single game eight to one. What's and, the purpose? of Well, especially
0: that? when you're losing to D three teams. But I don't. Um, I don't have an answer that question. But thankfully, in about five or six weeks, we'll be able to tell you for ourselves.
1: Did you uh, see the Charles Barkley quote? about the uh, Wizards-Pistons game?
0: I can only imagine.
1: I don't remember exactly verbatim, but it was basically like, um, if if you were at Wizards-Pistons and you're not related to one of the two teams, you're a damn fool. (laughs) Which is basically my feeling if you attend Stonehill, Michigan. 6.10 cast 6.10 proud strain David Nasternak We will see you next year, calendar year. Not next season, but next calendar year.